the evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. You are listening to Confidential Brief live on 101.9 FM throughout Johannesburg and streaming worldwide on highfm.com. Just a reminder, Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. You can find out more about them at rubberroofs.co.za. In a few minutes, I'm joined by an international guest today, Ayelet Bigger Levine, and we're going to be chatting about scams on a global basis. We speak about how it's impacted our fiscus. We speak about the fact that law enforcement has been slow in response to the massive increase in crime in South Africa. But it's not just a South African phenomenon. We're seeing it more and more internationally, and Ayelet's going to be able to bring home to us some of the truth of what's happening on an international basis. As we heard in the news a few minutes ago, Astral Foods has had their profits plummet by a massive 90%. They're one of the biggest chicken suppliers in South Africa. And that is a microcosm of what's happening in South Africa at the current moment in respect of the massive instability brought about as a result of a dysfunctional um, energy supply. We have one energy supply in South Africa, that being Eskom. Our rail is now dysfunctional. And of course, we've had massive unrest. Um, we look back to July 2021 when we had the insurrection as a result of the imprisonment of ex-president uh, Jacob Zuma. And one just has to wonder now that we're in a election cycle leading up to 2024, when we have our national elections, are we set to see more unrest on the ground and what can be done? Big business seems to be taking a massive interest in what is happening and has become far more vocal in speaking directly to government, directly to our leadership and saying, listen, things are in turmoil. Something needs to be done about this. And we try bring a, a little bit of, of, of hope when we discuss some of the, the, the developments that we've seen from government in respect of the change in legislation following our grey listing by FATF, where we see more units being created. But we also see that these units and the legislation being introduced cannot be successful if the state is not budgeting accordingly. We cannot see 2% of the annual police budget going towards our priority crime investigation unit, the Hawks, if if 2% goes nowhere near incapacitating them. They only have 49.5% of the required members. We can't have 100 million rand being allocated to the investigating directorate to found a unit based on the findings of the Zondo Commission. We need to take a stand, and that stand comes next year. We have our ballot. we South African citizens. We have the right to vote for change. We have the right to hold our leadership accountable. I'd like to remind you the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of High FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. It's just past the 10 past midday mark here in Johannesburg, South Africa, and we joined, and it's 10 past 6 
a.m. where my guest is joining us from, Alette Bigger-Levine. She is in New York City, and she's joining us today live to discuss global scams. Um, Alette has spent the last 15 years building technology to help financial institutions authenticate their customers and identify fraud, working for companies such as IBM, RSA Security, and Biocatch. She recently, she recently launched a podcast called Scam Rangers, which is one of the things we'll be chatting about today, which talks about the human side of scams, and she runs a website called scamrangers.ai, which is focused on preventing scams before people are emotionally manipulated. A very, very early good morning to you in New York, Aliette. Good afternoon. <laughs> now I can say. Yeah, Thank you, you can... for having me on the show today. Well, you and I have been chatting for quite a few months about getting you on air. I've been following Scam Rangers with very keen interest. Um, scams, it's a worldwide phenomena. It's not something unique to any particular country. And you are running this from an international perspective and an international platform. And I'm so keen to find out more about what made you decide to launch this podcast, Scam Rangers. I've been on the fraud fighting side for over 15 years now. And most of my career has focused on helping financial institutions fight account takeover fraud. So someone steals credentials and tries to attack kind of the bank systems and tries to, you know, with username, password, or even manipulating to get the multi-factor authentication code is able to get into the bank systems. And the reality is the banking tools have gotten so bad, the banking controls to protect against fraud have gotten so good that Cyber criminals are going now after customers. And when it comes to liability, financial institutions today globally are, for the most part, liable to reimburse customers for fraud that occurred when their account was taken over by cyber criminals, when the cyber criminal accessed the account and stole money. But when it comes to online scams today, there's no reimbursement. Furthermore, customers who actually transfer their money were emotionally manipulated into transferring money to a cyber criminal, suffer the emotional toll of that manipulation. And how could I be so stupid? And what have I done? And how will I tell my family? And while working on solutions to protect against account takeover fraud and new account fraud, I encountered more and more stories of these online scams and their impact financially and emotionally. And that touched me and that kind of made me think that's where I want to focus. And I see that's where fraud is going as well. So Ayelette, in South Africa, we, we're very fortunate that we get to work with international agencies. Our state law enforcement is working very closely with the United States um, Homeland um, Security, specifically their Secret Service Department, because a lot of fraud is emanating out of South Africa. It seems that South Africa has become a springboard into European countries. It seems to have a lot of credibility as a developed country on the African continent. And we've also attracted a lot of foreign criminals to our shores, um, a lot of them from Africa, some from other countries. What we're finding more and more, however, is that we're not alone in terms of housing criminals. Criminals are housed um, in boiler rooms throughout the world. Scams operate throughout the world. But our country now rates in the top five as being targeted by by these criminals as well. A figure that came out that really shocked me was that the United Kingdom is the number one targeted country for scams at the moment. And last year, 40% of all reported crime in the UK 
was fraud related. This is incredible because when one looks at the US or the UK, you see a first world developed country and you don't think that people would be able to penetrate the systems the way they have. Why do you think these so-called developed first world countries have become such massive targets and we're seeing real victims coming out of those countries? So first of all, I think one of the things to kind of know before we talk about scams and manipulation is the fact that the UK seems to always have the first complex patterns emerge. And I've seen this throughout my career in fraud when it comes to we started with phishing attacks and then different types of account takeover attacks, trying to manipulate people into sharing credentials. And then the more sophisticated controls or, or attack vectors like remote access tool attacks and uh, when someone takes over someone else's computer by having them install like a sharing platform, like a, an IT, those all started to emerge in the UK. And from a fraud controls perspective, the UK banks have implemented the more sophisticated protections because they had to. And if the US, for example, wanted to see what's coming, from a fraud attack vector perspective, they always looked at the UK. And there's this pattern that goes around the world where I think you're right. South Africa is one of the first ones as well, very similarly to the UK, where those attack vectors start in the UK, get to and South Africa, and they get to Australia and then Canada and then come down to the US. They don't start with the US typically. And the reason is the sophistication of the fraud controls in these countries. And it's kind of a rolling uh, arms race, really, where the cyber criminals continue to think, okay, we're blocked here. How do we do it? We're blocked there. How do we do it? We're blocked here. And then when they realize, okay, let's just attack the humans. First of all, when you talk about scams, you don't have to use so much technology like you should, like, like you need to in, in order to attack a bank. If you tell someone to transfer money in other means, not necessarily through the bank, it's it could be easier from a technology perspective. They do use a lot of technology for scams as well, but the art of social engineering, the art of manipulation is something that they really excel in. So the UK is one place, Australia is another place, as I said, Canada, but it's really a global problem. It's definitely not just the English-speaking countries. And today with the ability, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but with the ability of AI and translation, with, with, you know, tools like ChatGPT, Google Translate, it's a really a global problem. Luckily, um, just an, an anecdote, if we look at scams in Israel using Google Translate, you can see when you read the Hebrew that it's just not a Hebrew speaker. You can see that it's translated. And with the masculine and feminine in the language, for example, it's just bad translation. So it's easier to recognize that. But for the most part, they're very successful in their methods. We're chatting today live to Aliette Bigger-Levine all the way from New York City about the impact of global scams. When we come back, we're going to talk about the human factor and why we see people being emotionally manipulated and how we can go about it. We'll be back straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. We're chatting today to Alilet Bigger-Levine about the impact of global schemes. 
Um, these schemes border on the ridiculous in some instances. We've seen, like Ali had mentioned earlier, the earlier days of phishing scams. We've seen the 419 scams. But she mentioned earlier there's even takeover scams where somebody can actually take control over somebody's computer, insert themselves in their lives. One of the organizations you used to be a part of, Aliet, um, had an advert in Australia. It was called The Lonely People, and it showed how lonely people were specifically targeted by some of these syndicates. And one thing that's, that's very noticeable is that they don't know that they've been targeted by people outside of their country. English-speaking countries are being targeted by some countries where English may not necessarily be the, the first language, but because there is a large workforce, there are people with tertiary education and people willing to bend the rules and perhaps even become criminals because they're so desperate for work, it's easy to recruit English speakers to target these particular communities. Let's chat a little bit about that because you speak about emotional manipulation. What do you mean? Wow, that's a loaded question. So let's unpack that in a few parts. First of all, I want to say that scams can happen to anyone. It doesn't have to be elderly or lonely. It can really happen to anyone. And it's really that social engineering tactic that cyber criminals use and they it's one moment off guard and we can all be scammed and you know i can get scammed you can get it could be any it's not an iq thing and it's not a loneliness thing or an elderly thing it could really and they have scams targeting different populations there are the high mom scams that targeted at moms of um of older teenagers and there are scams targeted at elderly. There are scams targeted at Gen Z. When we talk about the emotional manipulation, it's really understanding human psychology and understanding what triggers and motivates people. So there are a few types of emotional manipulation. There are those that cause fear. Um, you know, have you made this a text message saying, have you made this transaction? If no, call this number. So you, you don't check the bank of your card because you're like immediately you want to erase that transaction. You don't want your money to go away. So those are and the phone number that is in the text message will take you to a call center in a different country, potentially, or in, in the same country where someone will answer the phone and they'll start asking the right questions about the, the text message you saw to get you to get go into your bank account and and transfer them the money, the Story will be something like, oh, we see, yeah, you know, give us your information or go and change reverse to reverse the transaction. You need to pay this account and they'll start manipulating the person. When it comes to those call centers that you mentioned or attackers from different countries, from the same countries for for easy money. So I would say a few things. One, there are many mule scams out there. So mules are those who... um actually host the money in their bank accounts and they are also recruited by cyber criminals to kind of to host the money to enable that international transfer because a cyber criminal can't just open an account in South Africa and say you know transfer me the money and not be caught the banking system will eventually catch this person and close the account but if they manage to get a legitimate user or legitimate customer of a bank to also host their illegitimate money transfers then they have a way out um, so, so the mule recruitment is also in very, very large scales. And that is also driving the enablement of the money transfers and, and money laundering through these accounts that go. Some of the mules are winning and some are unwitting and don't know what they're doing. 
but a lot of them are young students who just don't have jobs and need that extra money and they get a percentage that stays in their account. So also something to be aware of and know. Now, when it comes to those cyber criminals who are transferring or are committing the social engineering scams by texting and then talking to people, it's important to know that many of them are cyber criminals who want easy money, but there are also many that are trafficked. And that's happening in large scale in Southeast Asia where people from China are lured into jobs in Cambodia or other countries, mostly in Cambodia. And they're con- told that they'll, they'll have a job in the hotel industry or, you know, in a restaurant. And once they get there, their host or the one who convinced them to come abducts them. It's, it's really modern slavery and puts them into these large farms with, you know, surrounded by barbed wire where they can't get out. And they're forced into scamming people 16 hours a day. So that's a harsh reality there. The cyber criminal on the other side is is a victim too, in many cases. And those scams that they perform are really horrendous in an at large scale as well. So yeah, as South Africans, we we've been through much the same as other countries, especially when one looks at the initial 419 scams that emerged in the 80s and became far more sophisticated in the 90s, going into the 2000s. But I think. Because of people's perception of what the 419 scam was and who was perpetrating it, they don't give enough credit to the technology and the effort and infrastructure that goes into creating the current day fraud syndicates, online cyber syndicates. It's a massive business. We, we're speaking about trillions of dollars by 2025 that would have been misappropriated through these syndicates. So we're not dealing with amateur hour. We're dealing with guys that have set out and put together sophisticated infrastructure. Right. Think about the organized crime in the past, right? You had all these huge syndicates and, and they had guns and they, you know, caught people on the way and, and drug smuggling and everything around that. Well, if you sit virtually behind a computer, the risk to your life is completely minimized and the gains and return on investment by really going after the money is, is much, it's, it's much bigger. So the ability to really get money, not get caught, uh, with, with this virtual type crime is very beneficial for cyber criminals. And you talked about the numbers of trillions. We now know that around $55 billion were reported globally in scam losses in 2022. And that's a research done by the Global Anti-Scam Alliance. And what we don't know is how many people did not report the scams due to shame, due to thought that the money won't be recovered, that the police won't be able to do anything. And again, a global number. We don't know how many people did not report, but... The estimate is that less than 10% of people report because they they feel that shame because they don't know who to go to. And we see that countries around the world are are taking action. We can talk about that too. Uh, from, an, from the perspective of the technology used in these scams, there are many, many techniques because there are attempts by different organizations and verticals to stop the scam. So if we think about Phone numbers. If, if there are a lot of scam calls and scam texts from the same number, that number will be blocked by telcos. So what the cyber criminals do is, is create SIM farms where they get many, many different numbers. They simulate movement of the, of kind of a phone and they shake the SIMs in boxes to, 
to show movement and show that someone really has the phone to trick the telcos and not have them block those numbers. So that's one form of technology. Another form is what I mentioned earlier, the remote access uh, tool attack. So they convince someone to either download something to their computer. They pose as an IT help desk, for example. That's also one of the famous scams. They call someone. They say there's a problem with, with your Microsoft or, or your Apple devices at home, and they convince them where they have a pop-up on their computer. They convince them to download a tool that they can use to access or they um, they they have them download malware that does the same thing. They access their computer and they they actually can access their bank account or they can show them something different on their device than they they're actually doing and kind of manipulate the actual sum of the transfer. So one scam and this is with a lot with happening with elderly is the scam where someone convinces um, an elderly to transfer money for a tech support, a problem that they help them with, and then they add another zero. They show them that they added another zero, and instead of transferring $100, they transfer 100000 or something like that, and then they start saying, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my job and my family and we'll starve and my boss will, and I'll go to jail for this, and they convince that person to actually re- return the money because they transferred um too much back to them or something like that. So I mixed up a little bit, but they, they simulate a case where the person actually got money or, or didn't get enough. And that's how they manipulate. So it's kind of the second time around. So they do use technology to take over accounts, to scam people and to um, create that situation. There's now a lot of technology with generative AI and the fakes. There are cases where someone will call a grandparent or even a parent and the voice will sound like the grandchild or the granddaughter saying, I'm in trouble. You need to come save me. You need to send me money. And it's deep fake. It's a video that was recorded online and then manipulated into saying things that the the grandchild would, would never say, impersonating that person. There's now same with videos. We see romance scams where the the scammer will actually use deep fake with a video pretending to be this person in the military posted abroad. And then they will take photos from somewhere online and then create a video that's actually faking that person. And and then that all helps to convince the victims that this person is real and it's community. This person is communicating with them and creating a relationship to transfer the money later. Couple of takeaways there. Um, you mentioned, of course, the fact that a lot of organized crime has now moved online and Mariana Vanzella from Traffic actually did an insert where one of the most notorious LA based gangs involved in drugs, murder for hire, etc. have moved online. It's less dangerous. It's more money. Um, another issue you spoke about on a more simplified basis, you mentioned how people will say that they've transferred the wrong amount of money. South Africa, when that crime first came about, it was quite an interesting one. People that own guest houses would get bookings for um, groups of government officials that would be coming to stay um, at that particular guest house for a conference in the area. 
um, they, they'd get a phone call after the booking and they'd say we're going to be making payments and they'd send them through a fake proof of payments where there were a couple of zeros added like you mentioned. They would call that guest house owner in an absolute flap and say listen we've made a mistake, we're going to get fired, please can you refund the money. Without checking whether the money had actually landed, which of course it would never have, it was a fraud, the person feeling bad for them and like you said it's emotional exactly. manipulation would refund them a non-existent amount of money and suffer the loss. So it's it's really horrendous what's happening out there. You spoke about romance scams. South Africa sadly has a very poor record of being a country of origin for a lot of those romance scams. And we're very fortunate that the United States Department of Homeland Security, in particular Secret Service, have been working hand in glove with the South African authorities in shutting down some of these syndicates. From your perspective, with the interviews that you've done on a worldwide basis with scam rangers, do you see the world coming together from a law enforcement perspective and fighting this from a unified perspective? Or are people still reliant on saying, well, it's in your backyard, it's your problem, you need to resolve it? Let's start with the backyard. So each country, I think the initiatives that that the countries have been taking throughout the years have been pretty minimal. But the good news is that recently some, and I'll, I'll mention the details in a second, some countries have stepped up to announce very focused initiatives on scams. I think there's realization that the problem is just growing exponentially. And especially now there's a new class of scams called, uh, the, a new class of crypto scams called financial grooming or pig butchering that where the amounts are much higher. And uh, we can talk about that too. Um, so there there are a few initiatives. I think the the need is to collaborate internationally. We know that because the typically the cyber criminals who conduct the scams are not in the same country of the people who are scammed. And even I mentioned money mules, even if we are able to catch the money mules that are in the same country as the victims, there are ways to kind of skip that step with the crypto scams. So international collaboration is absolutely critical. One organization that is trying to get people together is the Global Anti-Scam Alliance that's really getting people from different countries to come together to the table, be it law enforcement, be it regulatory, be it um, tools and, and, and mitigation techniques to solve the problem and, and talking about those. But is there a global initiative kind of running kind of on the Interpol regulatory level? Not yet that I see that's effective. The good news is that uh, the UK just announced a, pro- a program to fight, kind of stop cyber criminals in their tracks with scams. And they have, it's kind of a three-step approach. The first one is to pursue fraudsters. So they're going to drive international collaboration. And they're saying, okay, enough with this. We're not going to catch the fraudsters. One of the challenges is that, or, or benefits for, for the cyber criminals is that less than a half a percent of Cyber criminals are caught for the crimes that they conduct here when it comes to online scams because of the, the challenge. And, and it's important to say it's not the lack of desire for international collaboration, but we're talking about countries where there's a lot of cor- corruption happening. If I mentioned Southeast Asia and the police, you know, some of them are bribed to help cyber criminals. So it's not always easy to say, okay, Hey, U.S. and South Africa, let's collaborate. That That's an easier one. But in other countries, it's not so easy. Uh, so maybe some embargoes will be needed. 
Um, so the UK plan is to pursue fraudsters. And actually, they have this whole task force of 400 people that are going to go and and drive that international collaboration to catch cyber criminals focused on the UK, of course, from a victim's perspective. The second pillar is blocking fraud, which is working with telcos and working, um, you know, to stop those SIM farms that I talked about and really focusing on social media as well. Uh, TSB Bank just announced that two, sorry, that eight in 10 scams originate from meta platforms. So Instagram, WhatsApp and, and Facebook. And the third one is empower people and really encourage reporting. Another initiative was just launched by Australia as well. They have uh, three, three billion in losses from scams annually. And they just also announced um, this initiative where they're also going to invest a lot of money to fight scams. So we see countries kind of stepping up, announcing programs that will, will require global collaboration. And I hope to see more, and I hope to see the U.S. stepping up as well. We know that there was a lot of pressure on financial institutions in the U.S. by the Senate when it comes to Zelle fraud. Zelle is a form of P2P payment, faster payments. There's a lot of fraud in that platform because the money has gone instantly. And we know that the uh, Zelle owners are taking initiative in in reimbursing customers, and hopefully that will drive a lot of controls and technology that goes into stopping that fraud, but we're yet to see kind of a global initiative or even a, a huge initiative in the U.S. as well. We're chatting to Ayelet Bigelevine today about the global fight against scams, which have taken on a, a very ugly guise and are targeting so many people in so many different ways. In the South African context, of course, we are seeing cooperation with our international partners, but it's a bitter pull for a lot of South Africans to swallow because fraud in South Africa and corruption in South Africa on, an, on a homegrown level has reached epidemic proportions. And we need to see an equal amount of fight, an equal amount of impetus in the way the South African authorities tackle local crime as they are doing by tackling international crime with the international partners. Perhaps they can learn a lot from them, like I'm learning today from Ayalis. We'll be back straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. Very interesting conversation. We're continuing with uh, Ayalis and Bigger Levine. She's Broadcasting all the way. She's live. She's up. It's now 20 to 7 in the morning and she's in Boston, not New York. My apologies for earlier. And she is chatting to us about her podcast, Scam Rangers. We've covered quite a bit so far. We're going to be definitely having another conversation in the future. But for this last part of the insert, Ayala, I'd like to find out more about Scam Rangers who you've interviewed, what the reception's been like, and why you've made this change from just helping big organizations to looking at the emotional manipulation and damage done to individuals as a whole. So, Scam Rangers, um, it's been a pleasure to have so many people. I think I've kind of found my community in these interviews. So the first episode was about shame, and the goal was to really tell people not to be ashamed and not to shame others. And how can we change our language and really educate not only victims, but actually everyone 
and that it can happen to anyone. So the first episode was with Kathy Stokes from ARP, which is a large elderly organization in the U.S., and we focused on that. Then we had a few episodes where we talked about pig butchering scams or financial grooming scams. And I, actually, Kathy said, let's not call it pig butchering because it's not a good, you know, the victim as a pig, it's not uh, a really good portrayal of of this uh, person from a, an emotional perspective. But the these scams are huge in scale. And as, as I mentioned earlier, they're huge in, in the monetary losses. And what happens here is that these are relationship scams that start typically with a wrong number on WhatsApp. And they convince, they, they kind of build, so hi, how are you? Is this David? No, wrong number. Oh, I'm so sorry I interrupted you during your day. This is all on WhatsApp typically. And then, oh, you're so kind. What's your name? My name is Jane. Oh, Jane, I'm this other dude. And if, if they answer their email, then, and, and once you answer on WhatsApp, by the way, the cyber criminal can see your name. So just don't respond to these texts is my recommendation. Anyway, so they create this relationship and they, they start presenting a flashy lifestyle. And then they say, you know, I invested in crypto. That's how I made my money. They convince the, the victim to, to also start investing in crypto. They, they kind of pressure them over time, even if they don't want to, but in a really kind way, like you should really try this. You should really, you'll make money. They learn about their lives. And eventually they start investing. They show some quick returns, but then down the line, those hundreds of thousands or millions or whatever money they have, they take second mortgages and they never see the money again. So I interviewed Erin West, who's a district attorney at Santa Clara County in uh, California. And she talked about how they are educating all, you know, law enforcement across the U.S. and globally to investigate Crypto, investigate the blockchain. There are analysis tools where you can actually trace the money. And then I talked to someone about the same phenomena of pig butchering about modern slavery, which I mentioned before, how people are trafficked from different countries to participate in these crimes and they're forced to hurt other people. Um, we also talked to fraud, fraud practitioners and global anti-scam alliance and analysts in the area. So there are a lot of different conversations and Actually, the the recent one I recorded is someone in the telco space. And my goal is to capture the different perspectives of fraud fighters or, or scam fighters who are also engaging with victims. So it's not so much focused on victim stories, uh, which there's a different podcast called The Perfect Scam, which I highly recommend that really kind of looks at the at the stories of victims. But it's really kind of from from a perspective of, okay, what is the problem? What is the hope? How do we fight it? How do we combat it? And my goal was to bring it out there and and share with the world because we can't think that scams is a problem of the elderly, of the lonely. It's a global phenomena that is happening on scales that we don't even understand. And we don't understand the impact on our social systems, on welfare, and the emotional impact. It's many, it's, I think three quarters of scam victims have a long lasting emotional impact. And it could be a few months of not trusting the bank and it could be a lifelong trauma of not, not willing to build relationships anymore. So it really depends on the type of scam and the impact. So that really is something to me that drives a meaningful mission. And I'm not only 
kind of focused on the podcast, I'm also building technology to combat scams. And you mentioned scamranger.ai earlier. And our goal is to work with financial institutions to be able to identify scams before they happen. Because today, most of the controls and protections are in the bank systems. But once someone tries to transfer the money, they're already under the emotional manipulation. So let's say we have a cyber criminal impersonating a bank and saying, okay, I'm calling from the bank fraud team. You need to transfer this money to the, all your money to this new account that we created from you because, for you because someone, you know, stole, tried to steal money. And then they, they try to convince them. They manipulate them. They, they tell them, you know, if someone calls you, don't answer or something like that. Now the bank fraud team managed to detect that there's a scam. Why? Because the session is very long. The, the session of the online banking because, because they're active call on their phone. So the bank fraud team calls them in call waiting or on another line. Now they think they're talking to the bank fraud team, but the bank fraud team is calling them. So they don't know who to believe. It's a distorted sense of reality. And that is happening again and again. So it's hard to stop the scam in its tracks, the, the actual money transfer. And my goal is to stop it well before in the text message. Don't respond to the message. Don't engage. Always go and check with your original sources with the trusted communication with your vendors or, or merchants. And, and that's my goal to educate, but also to use technology to stop it and help people. I'm glad you mentioned Erin West. Um, she as part of this small, incredible community on LinkedIn that's fighting crime is one of my heroes, as are you. Um, scam ranges, I think is phenomenal. And the fact that you have um, scamrangers.ai to try help build products to prevent um, these scams from taking place is absolutely critical. Um, I think that today's conversation was the start of many conversations we're going to be having. It was a getting to know one another um, because we have become a global village. We need to accept the fact that fraudsters that you think you're speaking to down the road could be on a different continent. It's become a continental problem. It's become a, a problem with such a worldwide scale that I don't even want to say the figures that have come out in terms of studies of what the amounts are going to be in terms of cyber and digital fraud come 2025. But it, the figures are just mind-blowing. It's bigger than the economies of a lot of developing countries. Um, people want to follow you. If they want to join in on the podcast, where do they find all this information? Okay, so just go to on, on your favorite podcast uh, app, go to Scam Rangers. Uh, on LinkedIn, Ayelet Bigger Levine and scamranger.ai without an S this time. Scamranger.ai is where you can learn about scams. And if you ever have a message that looks suspicious and you're not sure, there's a function there where you can validate the message and see what to do. It's not just scam, not scam. It really gives guidance on what to do next. I don't think feel free to reach out to me. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate you getting up extra early for us this morning, straight out of Boston, straight out of bed. I hope you had your coffee. Um, and we look forward to future conversations. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on the show. We're going to be uploading the details of how you can listen to Scam Rangers on our social pages. That's Confidential Brief Radio Show on Facebook. And, of course, on LinkedIn, we'll be putting a link up to the podcast of today's show, and that'll be on www.chaifm.com. Once again, Ayla, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we're looking forward to many constructive conversations in the very near future.
Thank you so very much. I let Bigger Levine is from Scam Rangers. It's a wonderful podcast. It helps people. Most importantly, it shows that we should not be re-victimizing victims. And most of all, victims shouldn't be shameful of what's happened. They were targeted. Just like you may be a professional in your chosen career, fraudsters have chosen that as their career, and they're very, very good at it. Confidential Brief today was brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. If you're tired of getting contractors into fix your leaky roof, only to find out that your roof still leaks, it's time to sort that leak out for good. Rubber Roofs manufacture and apply the rubber paint to your roof. Your roof will look great and won't leak anymore. Rubber Roofs offer a 10-year warranty. Rubber Roofs is a trusted name in roof waterproofing, and you can find out more at www.rubberroofs.co.za. Joining me next week will be Craig Pedersen. He is a South African open source intelligence specialist and cybercrime expert. And we'll be continuing the conversation about how you, the consumer, our listener, can protect yourself from online scammers and other means of fraud. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back same time, same place, right here, 101.9 High FM.